0: Hey, pal. We're live, pals. Welcome to the latest episode of Hey, Pal, I'm Coachable. And I was about to say... Oh, it's time for that weekly rotation into your podcast earholes. But unfortunately, well, nobody told me what life was going to be this way. Clap, 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 clap. Um, unfortunately, it's just been a few weeks since our last episode, just to fill you in on the gaps between them, because I'm very appreciative for all the messages that have come out saying, hey what's going on? They might have even said, hey, pal, um, what's happening? Where's the latest episode? Why aren't you giving me the episode now? Etc. Etc. et cetera. But, uh, and no, Jimmy Hartness didn't break the podcast, even though he swore like a drunken sailor, but that's our Jimmy. Um, no, uh, in all seriousness, just to straighten up, um, being a bit of a busy time with the real work, not the, the side hustle, this one here, as much as I appreciate, put a lot of effort into my side hustle, I had to look at my front hustle for a little bit, which... Um, Sounds like a phrase that would actually get me in trouble for saying that out loud. But yeah, my front hustle. Um, unfortunately, uh, in the last couple of weeks here in the northern suburbs of Perth, which is where this uh, little ditty of a podcast emanates from, uh, unfortunately, we um, did deal with the meridian up fire. So unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, I keep saying unfortunately, which is just not great. But um, yeah, there there's a lot of drama in terms of having to handle that uh, from a work perspective. Um um, Hay Power doesn't pay the bills, um, and also from a personal point of view, we were very close to them. We were fortunate enough that we we weren't uh, ever, I guess, in the evacuation zone, and, and knowing the stories of many people affected by the fires here, yeah, it's been truly horrifying in, in some ways, some of the images and some of the tales as well. So um, that did take the focus for the last couple of weeks, so I do apologize. Um, I do try and get this out to you guys, into that weekly podcast, Earhole Rotation, but just just had to take um, priority with, with the real-life uh, business going on. That being said, well, this episode has been a little while in the making because we did record it a little bit ago. But um, it's a really fascinating chat here with James O'Donoghue. He is a photographer who uh, is really taking the East Coast by storm? Um, you know, MBL1, MBL One, MBL, WMBL. The guy's just getting his photos everywhere, and uh, when you have a look at his socials at the end of this episode, or if you know you're on the train or the bus or uh, you know whatnot at the moment, you can sort of multitask and scroll through the Instagrams while you're listening to these dulcet tones. Um, you can see why, yeah. Just an absolute uh, ripper photographer, a ripping bloke. Uh, We talked uh, briefly about the fact that we did know each other from a previous life as well and in a previous, quote-unquote, real-life shoot job. But, um, yeah, it's just a wonderful chat and wonderful insight into how important the role of the sports photographer is because, you know, a lot of what we see, I mean... I mean, that's quite exactly what it says on the packaging. It's what we see. Um, but you think back to your favorite moments as, as a fan or even as an athlete as well, which we'll touch on, um, and just to have that lasting visual, it's, it's, you know, just makes those memories live longer, um, live longer and stand the test of time. So uh, enough of that, enough jibber jabber from um, this guy. Um, so without further ado, here is our interview with James O'Donohue. This week's guest is uh, a pleasant surprise for me, not because I didn't know that I'd organised this guest, but when I saw his face a few months back uh, around the basketball traps, I had to do the old, you know, cartoon, rub my eyes and see what was happening there. It was great to see this man again. But in our uh, absence, this man, James O'Donoghue, has been just absolutely smashing it on the East Coast there with some wonderful basketball photography. His uh, home club is the Hills Hornets, but that certainly hasn't been where he's been playing, his only tray, he's been doing WNBL, he's been doing NBL One National Finals, he's really making a name for himself with some really great images and great moments captured, so without further ado from James O'Donoghue Photography, James, hey pal. Hey mate, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on and uh, you know it's funny how life is that you sort of, you're like two ships in the night sometimes, you pass by each other and you never know when you get a swing back around and um, it was great to see you at the Nationals and great to see you uh, your your work as well, which we're going to dive into because you're going to coach me up on how to be a sports photographer. So you've got your work cut out for you here. <laughs>
1: Thank you, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think it was was it national it was actually nationals last year that we bumped into each other wasn't yeah, it? yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah so I mean, uh, in Melbourne yeah, we
0: we were lucky we, we've we've uh, been heavily involved with the nationals and been um been you know very uh, privileged to be part of those. So yeah again it was just like geez this basketball community is a, there's always the joke here in Perth is that Perth is too small and I was thinking that when I saw you last year I was like wait yeah. Perth's not this big it's like <laughs> how, how am I seeing you but um yeah yeah it, it was great to see you. um but uh getting into I guess sports um I like to ask all my guests at the very top of our interview before we get into your your chosen skill and expertise just sort of Uh, Your early fandoms uh, when you were growing up, whether it was particular sports or athletes or teams, what really drew you to sport in general?
1: Yeah, I'm a, so I'm born into a New Zealand family. So I was, um, I was born in New Zealand, strong Kiwi family. So my, my dad, for example, loved rugby. So we were like growing up big All Blacks fans. We moved, we shifted to Australia when I was like four or five years old. So I never really kind of developed the the Kiwi accent, but I guess I still was brought up in a a passionate sports loving Kiwi home with a with a dad and older brothers that yeah loved the All Blacks. So um definitely what a lo- lot of rugby when I was a kid. Um, then it was the we growing up in country WA quickly got into like AFL as well. So I was a big West Coast Eagles fan as a kid. Uh, we won't hold um, that against you. <laughs> are you uh are you a dockers man no oh my goodness
0: no? you and oh. this somehow you've avoided my 37 social media accounts i'm I'm a red white and blue man i'm a dogs oh, yeah. man but i did you hand in my I... dockers
1: membership this year so that's, that's <laughs> the confusion you know what? i have i actually have I, now that you say that i do remember seeing you posting about the bulldogs um... (laughs) Yeah, which
0: one (laughs) of a million, but um, no, I I always joke about the Eagles. I've got good mates um, who who coach in the uh, AFLW program and and I've got good mates who go for the Eagles as well. And and I was lucky enough through uni to work for the Eagles. So anytime I, I I jest about the Eagles, they're a good organization, (laughs) despite most of the results this year. Um, But yeah, so it's hard not to be in WA and be a West Coast Eagles fan like you were.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, I grew up when when the, the season, like I'm, I'm 38 now. So It was the 90s when I was the biggest Eagles fan. So I grew up in the era of Peter Matera. Oh, yeah. Peter Peter Sumich and all those guys were my heroes as a kid. Um, Can I sidetrack then? Um,
0: I truly believe this, and a lot of people might chuckle or laugh or may not believe it. I truly believe that Peter Matera is the greatest Eagle of all time. And I was growing up not quite understanding footy, but... It just yeah. seemed that every little thing he did was just absolutely magic. So I always yeah. hold him. I know that people say, oh, there's Jard and there's, and you know, what have you, but I always have
1: material top of the list. Where'd he rank for you? Yeah, I'd have him right up there in the top five for sure. Yeah, pro- probably top two. Yeah, It's hard yeah. to say. It's hard to, it's always hard, like comparing different eras. I feel yeah, like the game, the game changes a bit over the time, but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. He was, he was an absolute superstar. I remember the, I think it was the 92 grand final. Um, where he, it was either the 92 or the 94 grand final where he, uh, he just ran all the way along with yeah. this epic goal from the boundary. Um, yeah. and it was that was like, the, man. the highlights
0: of like, yeah. you know, footy for a decade
1: here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Nah. So yeah, big Eagles fan, um, uh, obviously being a basketball guy as well. Um, Perth wildcat grew up watching all the wildcats games, mm-hmm. um, Chicago bulls loved, um, Love Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Not that I was able to watch a lot of NBA as a kid. I, I don't think, like growing up in the little town that we grew up in, I don't think there was actually any NBA or was on TV that you could watch. Um, but I had the video game NBA Jam, which was yeah. uh, was was a very big part of my childhood. Yeah. So um, I quickly realized that Scottie Pippen was the best player in the game, and. Decided <laughs> Um, mainly because Michael Jordan wasn't in the game, well, yeah, some sort of uh contractual thing. well, but, yeah. um the guys who did NBA Jam as well, I think they
0: all Pistons fans. I, I, okay. I, I, I seem, and I think I was talking to um Squin uh, a few weeks back on the show. And I said something with absolute confidence, and I was like, "Yeah, that's totally right about the the Wildcats and and going black and red for Coca Cola." But um, I'm I'm saying it with the same certainty, but I'm I'm likely to be proven wrong because there's apparently there's a glitch or something that severely like uh, negatively affects the Bulls in the game as well. So that's why it was always oh, right. a lot tougher playing as the Bulls because they were Pistons fans, and it's just as they um, sort of you know, went past Detroit in terms of, you know, they're going from the bad boy era to the the Jordan era.
1: Yeah. Right. I didn't know that. Okay. I I, I say that 99% sure that I'm right. (laughs) I just remember playing that game as a kid. And obviously the first thing, every player has a rating, just like 2k these days. So I remember just going through and trying to quickly find who the best player in the game was. Yeah. And the best player in that game was Scotty Pippen who had like a rating of like 98 or something. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I decided that he was my favorite player and um, I got my parents to buy me this huge, big Scotty Pippen poster, which I nice. had up on my bed, had this big poster of Scotty Pippen up on my bedroom wall for pretty much my entire childhood. I actually still have it to this day. And the funny thing is I, I actually just, now that I am doing sports basketball photography myself, I went back and I looked at that poster the other day and I realized only recently that it was shot by a photographer that I now follow who I'm, you know, there's a guy that I follow on Instagram in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, And then I I saw his name down the bottom of this poster, and I was like, wow, there you go. This guy's been shooting the NBA for like 30 years. That's crazy. And yeah.
0: Um, have you still, have you got a photo of the poster? I'm going to annoy you after the, after we record and get you to send it through to us, but that's really cool. Yeah, and I, I'll
1: have to, um, I'll have to see if I can track it down and, uh, and send it through.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, that's so cool. I mean, I always love the imagery of that time of NBA. I mean, um, Eagle Eye, uh, viewers or, well, I guess it's a podcast. So listeners would see on our episode cover arts, they're actually in the old skybox, um, basketball card style. Cause that, that imagery, and a lot of that is captured by those those remarkable photographers. It just sticks with you when you get that yeah. good shot and that that just iconic image. You just it resonates with you for well, you know. In our case, being old men, uh, decades to, to to follow.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yep.
0: Well, um, tell us a little bit about the the photography bug because obviously you know you've you've got a great eye for teams for the most part there. Um, so you're obviously big into sport from the early days. Um, where did the, the, I guess the investment or the, um, the look into photography come from? When did that start? Can you recall?
1: I think the first thing to say to that is before I ever got into photography, I was into videography. So it was actually yep. f- filming and stuff that came first. Okay. Um, so I, when I was in year 12, I, um, I did, I took a class called media at my school and this yep. was also in the country. This is in a, a town called Narogen, which I'm sure you've probably heard of. Yep. So yep. that's, where I, that's where I went and did year 11 and 12 as like a boarding hostel student because my, um the school, the town that I grew up in, the school only went up to grade 10. Yep. So yeah, went off to Narragin doing year 11 and 12. Across the board, I wasn't a, a great student. Like I did okay at school, but like in your typical subjects like English and maths and science and all those types of things, it was... I was okay, but I was never really known for getting good grades. Like if I got yeah. a C, I was usually like pretty happy with that, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. But then in year 12, then in year twelve, I took, I saw this class media. So I took it and it was just like, I just instantly took to it. I just loved it. And I ended up getting an A in media that year. Um, I would just find myself like, like they, the class actually allowed you to take cameras home and that kind of thing. Okay. So I would, um we would work on like little short films for our assignments, but then I would be going to my teacher saying, hey, is it all right if I take this, take the camera back to my hostel and practice with it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, I think I just fell in love with it. I just, I was just naturally good at it. I naturally seemed to have an eye for camera angles and composition and storytelling. Like mm-hmm. I loved, I it was very clear to me that I love storytelling and I got really good feedback from my media teacher about it. And so that I guess because essentially I wasn't really that good at most other subjects, but I was really good at media that helped shape my direction. Once I finished year 12, cause I was like, this seems to be what I'm actually good at. So yeah. then I, um, I went, to, I moved to the city, moved to Perth and, uh, did film and video at TAFE. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: that's through central.
1: That's through central TAFE. Yeah. yeah it, um, I did a, I think I ended up doing, I finished the diploma yeah um and yeah but then after that I kind of took it there was quite a break where I didn't I ended up just once I finished that I just basically I think it, and the where I was at at the time I was just sick of being a poor student so I was like I'm just gonna go, <laughs> I'm just gonna go work for a while so I went and got uh, a full-time job I yep. think it was a warehouse or yeah I, I probably spent the next seven or eight years to be honest just working in various jobs i moved around working in warehouses and call centers yes basically i guess i was just chasing money and and i was traveling a lot as well i was doing trips overseas and stuff which was cool um but eventually i was like nah i feel like i'm i hit a point where i felt like i wasn't moving forwards Mm -hmm. so i'm like i want to go back and um study again and be a bit more specific with it so i went and then i did a uni course. And it was when I did the uni course that like a whole bunch of different opportunities came up. Like I actually got an opportunity because I was doing uni and the uni that I was at ECU, they had a, um, they had a partnership with the Perth Wildcats. Okay. Yeah. And so the Perth Wildcats at one point reached out to our uni, to our film course and said, Hey, do you have any students that would be interested in like coming on board with us doing an internship? Oh, geez. Yeah.
0: Let me think about that for a second. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I saw that and jumped at it, and it didn't It didn't come about straight away. They didn't get back to me straight away, but at one point, it must have been a few months later, I woke up one morning and I had an email from the Perth Wildcats media guy being like, hey, are you still keen to come and shoot Perth Wildcats games? And I was like, uh, yes, I
0: am. <laughs> <laughs> How do I say yes enthusiastically, but professionally at the same time? Um, That's right. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy, Sorry. crazy good how um, ECU's partnerships are. We were speaking to Bailey a few months back um, and he, uh, like myself, got a, a placement through um, ECU at West Coast, which is what I alluded to beforehand. Yeah. And it's just that the importance of, and it's not, this isn't an ad for ECU, but it's, it's importance of a really good university. It's not just so much the um, the course content, but also how they set you up with those connections and that networking ongoing past your degree and that that's great that that was they were to get your foot in the door there at the Wildcats
1: yeah yeah it was really cool and that that really that internship really started everything for me um because up until that point I was like I guess up until that point I was still thinking like I'm gonna try and be a filmmaker or I was a part of my course was also journalism as well. So I was like, I was also getting really into sports journalism and trying to write match reports from games and that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, once I did that internship and I got into the Wildcats environment, um, like I was shooting video of the games and also editing little highlight reels from their games and that they were actually, the team was posting them on their Facebook page and stuff like that, which was really cool but it was just like being in that environment like getting getting to go backstage after the game and be part of like the press the media conferences and mm-hmm. stuff i just loved and thrived being around professional sport and i was like this is this is actually where i want to be this is what i want to be doing and while i was there i connected with like all the guys that were doing like stills photography there i connected with a bunch of those types of people as well yeah and i remember just being I remember being in the press conference room post game, and just seeing all the photographers there sitting on their laptops editing their super awesome photos that they'd just shot from the games, and thinking, "Man, that would be real. That would be really fun too to actually do photography." Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was after that internship ended. I did two seasons with them, um, and then it came to an end. And um, yeah. After that, I was, I I basically just decided like. I bought a I bought a photography camera and just started like having a crack at the photo side of things as well started going out to like different SBL games in Perth which is now obviously NBL1 West yeah um and just yeah got myself involved
0: yeah absolutely um as we you know the the beauty of podcasts I just have a a, a few police sirens go past my house there but oh, um yeah. <laughs> um so with that, though, uh, you mentioned there you got involved at that uh, SBL MBL 1 level. Now, as we spoke about, um, you know, I was like, when I saw your face again, I was like, what? I must be seeing things as we did have a cup of coffee at a one of those existing workplaces. But it's probably for the better. We don't talk about that too much. I wasn't yeah. a completely pleasant person at that time. And um, <laughs> I to be really honest, and I, I think I was more than a dick to you and many other people, to say the least, which I say I... that. I say with a smirk now, but it wasn't a good place. But um, what sort of brought the move to the East? Did you do more work here with those SBL, NBL1 clubs or sort of, was it for photography you decided to move over to the East Coast? Um, or?
1: So, yeah, so I finished my, um, I, I will say, I will just add, I ended up doing a, while I was still in Perth, I think this must've been 2017. Okay. I, did an, I did an internship with the Willerton Tigers for a, for a full season where yep. I was I was primarily there as a journalist. Like I was writing all the match reports from the Willerton Tigers games. Um, and they were publishing them in their local kind of Willerton community newspaper, which yeah. was really cool. So, um, and they, they usually wanted an image with the um, with the re- reports as well. And sometimes there was a lo- another lovely photographer there called June who would shoot photos and they would use her photos sometimes. But every now and then I thought it would be cool to get my own photo in there as well. Yeah. So I started, that was kind of when I got, I had my camera, I w- I'd already gone and bought a camera. So I started shooting some photos while I was there on game night and then sending, writing the match report, sending that to the newspaper along with my own photo and get, and just seeing my own stuff getting published.
0: So I, yeah, I- That's just, pretty cool. Like yeah. that's a pretty cool moment when you, you see that for not even just the first time, but ongoing. It is cool to see, you know, your work be good enough to be- you know,
1: published to, to that sort of mass sort of audience. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. Really, really loved it. Um, and then in, in terms of like how I ended up coming over to the East coast uh, eventually I finished my uni degree and graduated. Um, I have an older brother that, or I have an older brother that is also in the whole media sphere as well. He's a video editor and a producer and he'd already moved over here and started working for a company uh, as a video editor Okay. Um and so when I graduated, I was my initial thing was try and apply for jobs in Perth. Um I'd actually gone for I had gone for a job that I'd seen at the West Coast Eagles as well, actually. They they mm-hmm. were hiring like for a video kind of creative sort of producer role. Um I had a couple of interviews for that, but sadly didn't get it. Yeah. Um and then my brother that was already living in Sydney, so he'd made the move over here a couple of years before he basically at that point said, Hey man, I don't know how you feel about shifting to Sydney as well, but if you wanted to come over here, I could probably get you a job where I'm working. Oh, that's cool. Um, And, uh, and yeah, that's, and I was, I think, I think I was, I really wanted that Eagles job, mm. uh, but then once it fell through, I remember just calling my brother and saying, I reckon it might be time for a move. Let's, what can we do to make this happen? So yeah, he put the wheels in motion and then started having like zoom interviews and I got the gig. Um, so yeah, moved over here as a video editor. Um, but then as soon as, but I kind of knew it was like, I think where I was at at the time in Perth was like, I felt a bit, I'd been living in Perth a very, very long time. I think I just felt like I wasn't quite moving forwards. I felt a bit stuck. And so I was excited at the prospect of a move to Sydney with more opportunity Um, but I think I also knew that being a video editor wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. It was something I could do and I was good at, but I didn't really, yeah, I, I I knew that the photography thing was more of a passion for me. So I came, I came over, got settled here, started working, but as soon as I arrived, I quickly looked up who my local basketball team in my area was. So I I moved to the Hills district of Sydney. That's where I live now. Yep. And yeah, when I arrived, I looked up and I was like, oh, Hills Hornets, they're my local team. So I just basically reached out to them with a with a cold email, just introducing myself. I sent them some of my photos that I'd shot at Willerton back in Perth. Um, and then, yeah, a lovely lady called Christy from the Hornets got back to me. She must've looked at my link and thought my photos were pretty good. Yeah. And was and was like, yeah, we, yeah we'd be interested in um, bringing you down and seeing what you can do. Yeah. Uh, um sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I uh they they invited me to one of their Hills Hornets senior games. This would have been in twenty nineteen, mid-twenty yeah. nineteen. And um I just shot the game. I didn't charge them anything, obviously, because they hadn't, you know, had didn't have any relationship with them at all. So I just shot the game for free. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, they they sent me back an email a few days later saying they absolutely loved my photos and they wanted to bring me in again and sit me down and chat about you know chat about an arrangement so yeah, yeah and that was yeah that was the that that opportunity for the hills hornets was a massive turning point and a kind of a yeah I don't know how to describe it but yeah it was it was a big thing
0: well I mean you must have done a good job if they were like wanting to put you in a retainer straight away and uh, having looked at your work um, yeah obviously we know that you, you do more <laughs> than a good job um i'm just the curious thing that struck me um just then um yeah. obviously growing up uh you know basketballs footy it was you know um obviously you've got the 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 new zealand background as well so there was obviously that eye on rugby was it always basketball that you thought you'd be wanting to shoot because i i know you've got a passion for the game we've seen on your your instagram you're draining some threes from the corner <laughs> as well on on the social circuit um yeah. but you did obviously go for the eagles job and there's there's a i guess a case to be made and, and i've said this um previously the eagles are the biggest uh, sporting organization in western australia whether you go for them or not they are they they just are but
1: was it always basketball that you would you thought that you'd end up finding yourself within yeah i think so i was even though i did love the eagles as a kid i think i lost touch in my adult years i would say Mm -hmm. i definitely lost touch with the eagles and wasn't as a bigger definitely wasn't as big of an afl fan as what i was a basketball fan yep um pretty much like, pretty much since I moved to Perth as an 18-year-old and lived, lived pretty much most of my adult life in Perth, um, basketball was really everything for me. I played socially, like, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Saturdays. Um, I would be attending Wildcats games, attending, mm. you know, attending SBL games. Like, I was just watching NBA, watching NBL, very basically I just have always been a person that's been very plugged into the basketball world. And because of that, it's the sport that I know the best and kind of had contacts in and yeah, it made sense for me to shoot basketball. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And so, what, what,
0: yeah, I, what do you think it is about the game that, that really draws you in there? I mean, you can you can just say Scotty Pippen if you like, but <laughs> what, what is it about um the game of basketball that, that, you, you dig there whether it's, it's uh, photography
1: playing or just fandom yeah it's just like it's just such a um it's just such a fast-paced action-packed game it's there's always something happening there's always moments of excitement um you know a big dunk or a huge three and the crowd going off like it's just and it's all very close like I guess as a photographer as well you're close to the, you can be like right there close to the action Yeah. Um, the types of photos you can get as a photographer, I think are better because you just like, you're right there amongst it, you know? Have you uh, uh,
0: had any close uh,
1: shaves being that close to the action uh, just to 100%. quickly take you off, off track? <laughs> yeah. I've been, uh, I've, I've had people fall on me a couple of times, luckily not, nothing too serious, but yeah, I've definitely had some close calls. I think I posted one and I'm not sure if you saw, I posted one on my Instagram last season where a, um, a very big guy uh, came crashing down right on top of me and kind of bumped me, and I kind of got scattered across the floor a little bit. But luckily, I was all right. Yeah, I, I did have quite a sore shoulder the following day. But
0: yeah. I can imagine, makes makes yeah. me a good shot though, if you got it as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that immersive player falling on top of you thing there. But you're right, yeah. it is such a fast paced game, and it's like it's it's fast paced, but it's a lot of um, a lot of moments combined into one as well. Like every play is uh, another opportunity for someone to do something special, whether it's from a team point of view or, or an individual point of view. So it's like, yeah. you know, in a great game, you can have 40 highlights a game, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep. You can get a lot of really cool stuff. It's just like a lot of, a um, lot of energy to it, to it. Well, I, maybe not every game, but there's a lot of games which just uh, packed with energy and emotion. And yeah. um, that's, that's all good stuff that you can capture as a photographer.
0: Yeah. So with, um, with this, we've spoken a little bit about your your first gigs and and you know how you got involved at um at the Hills Hornets as well now, which is obviously where the the bread and butter started to come in from a photography point of view. Um, how did you see things start to expand from there? Were there any breakthrough or breakout moments that you you thought about at that time that allowed you to uh, dive deeper into really pursuing the photography side of things?
1: Yeah, you know what, it was actually interesting. I I feel like COVID was a turning point. Um, because up until COVID, I'd pretty much just been shooting Hills Hornets games, and that was that was just what I did. So I was working full time, but then it was just like once once every week or once every fortnight on a weekend when the Hills Hornets had their home game, mm. I would shoot that. But that was all I was doing. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then COVID happened, and obviously all of Sydney, you guys in Perth didn't really get as effect, you guys didn't really get affected at all for the most part, did you, you No, you're, abso- yeah, yeah, you're but, absolutely uh, right.
0: We were, we yeah. were fortunate in many ways with the pandemic,
1: yeah. but over here, it was all, it was all a bit crazy, massive lockdown. um, Obviously for several months, the, well, actually, I can't remember how long it was, but for quite a while, the events were all um, like the whole second half of one of our seasons just got canceled and called off. Um, But then once things came back, um, there was still a lot of restrictions in place. And obviously, because of how long the lockdown had been, teams were um, like my local club, the Hornets, they didn't, they got hit really hard. And so they yeah. didn't really have much budget to keep bringing me in. Okay. So it was at that point where I was like, okay, well, I want to keep shooting games. How am I going to do this? So then I did some research and realized that I was like, hey, what, what about if I just shoot their games and I could also go and start shooting other teams as well and what about if I just uh, sell my photos to the actual individuals because I hadn't really thought of that I hadn't really thought of that as a as a concept at that point so I did some research found a website that allowed me to list my photos on there and actually sell them Um, and then that's what I did. I was like, well, I want to keep doing this. So I just started, and then I started from there, I started reaching out to different clubs. Like there's a whole bunch of different, obviously clubs all over Sydney. And I was just like, Hey, is it all right if I come along, um, shoot your game this week, my photos that I shoot, I'll put them on my website. Yep. If If any players want them, they can pay for them individually off the site. And yeah. And then from there, um, because I was doing that and just making my way around to different clubs, um, I started building more connections and started building up my client base because then, then more teams started seeing my work. And then they started once, once things were kind of normalized again, and you know, their, their budget started to pick back up again. Then, you know, they were like, Hey, we'd like your photos too. Why don't we pay you to come in? And so then ended up working my up to the point where I had, probably four or five different teams around Sydney that were bringing me in to shoot, shoot their games for them. So, That's yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I credit, I credit COVID. Like it's funny, yeah. like COVID brought a lot of bad, but it also COVID forced a lot of people in a lot of different industries to think of, like you had, you were forced to reinvent the wheel. It was like, okay, well, I want to do this. Well, I need to change and, you know, do things slightly differently. So yeah, I think, that side of COVID was helpful for me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's fair comment. I mean, um, you know, I think there are some things that from that time period, you know, obviously the pandemic is very, very horrible and and whatnot, but there were things yeah. that just changed about um, how industries looked at how they did business. And there were some changes that were made positively because of, you know, it was forced upon things. So um one thing that you know was really interesting about what you're talking about there in terms of um, shopping yourself around, for want of a better term, is just um, that ability to market yourself and network and, and really be a salesperson for yourself. I know over here from a commentary perspective, we've got some people who do the commentary side of things really well, but also are really good at selling themselves and networking, which is admittedly um, something I've spoken to a lot of my mates about. I'm not really good at selling myself, to be honest. But how do you find that you build up those skills to build up that confidence to then say, look, this is my work. And, and I believe in it enough that I think you should let me come down and I know you're going to buy my photography or my services to come down.
1: Yeah. Um. Are you saying like, how, how, how do I have the confidence to reach out to clubs? Do you yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Just to be able to sell yourself because that's, you know, your work speaks for itself, but, sometimes the work alone isn't enough. You still have to be proactive to, to put yourself out there. Like you did there by just saying, Hey, I'll come down and then have a look at my photos and i back myself in.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I stand on the back of the relationships that I built. I think when I was like, when I was going to the clubs, I was meeting the, um you know, meeting the different presidents of the teams and yeah. that sort of thing. And I think that was really important. Just like building those connections. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I did too much more than that, to be honest. It was just building building the connections with the people at the places that I was going to. Yeah. Um, and then it was just capturing great photos and and putting them on on Instagram, to be honest. I, I felt like my mar- to be to be quite honest, I feel like my marketing strategy is very basic. It's yeah. really I, I go to games, I shoot cool photos and I chuck them on Instagram and then I tag the players in them and then people see my stuff and reach out to me and I get DMs from people all like all sorts of random people around Sydney will be like, hey man, love your work. You wanna wanna come shoot this event or want to come shoot our games? Um yeah. and so yeah, it was just that. And it was just like the consistency of doing it. Like I just mm. I I was determined to be consistent in what I was doing. I'm like, I know that I want to do basketball photography and I know that if I just consistently keep putting out good stuff, good things are going to happen. And I feel like that's kind of my story of how things have built and grown. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and
0: you're absolutely right. The work is high quality. That's why it does speak for itself. Um, what? Let's go a little bit more granular about the, I guess, the photography side of it. Um, because what we like to do on the show is, you know, where we can, you know, I as the vessel of our listening viewership. Am coached on how to actually do this skill. Now, I tell you what, I am the the king of the terrible selfie. So I probably am not going to become a great photographer. And my my media in year 12, I had to resort <laughs> to throwing myself downstairs to try and get a passing grade. But um what's it like photographer uh photographizing? See, I can't even say what it is. So that's probably not a good that's strike one, as my friend Mike would say. Um What's it like <laughs> photographing live sport, like specifically basketball? What are the things you've got to be acutely aware of? Or what are you looking for when you're in that mode?
1: Yeah, you're looking for, I guess, well, I guess every photographer is different. There's a lot of photographers that have different things they look for. I guess from my point of view, I I want to capture the emotion and the energy of the game. I want to capture fast-paced, um, high-octane I wanna I wanna show images that reflect how energetic and crazy that game is, like players, you know, aggressively attacking the basket or you know, rising up for a shot. I wanna capture the people on the sideline going, you know, cheering as their team scores. Yeah. Um, anyone showing any sort of emotion, um, any even frustration, like that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking out for um as a photographer, I guess. is that kind of is that kind of what you yeah
0: yeah yeah I think so um I mean and I love that you you use the word emotion because at the end of the day what people love about sport is that emotional connection to whether it's a team whether it's a player whether it's a, a moment their hometown whatever it is it's a highly emotive um you know expression whether it's you're an athlete on the court or you're that fan who's invested in that side or that sport. So I love that you mentioned the emotion is what you're, you're wanting to capture rather than, you know, someone might, who may not be, you know, and I'm not saying there's there's many ways to, to, um to get to the right destination, but, you know, some people might be saying, Hey, I'm looking for quality shot, like, you know, basketball, or I'm looking for this or, I'm you know, but that the first thing you say is emotion and that, is probably why your images strike a chord because you're trying to look for that emotive um, yeah. tissue.
1: Um I like to I like to think of myself these days where I I try not to almost think about myself as a basketball photographer. Hmm. Instead I think about myself as a people photographer, but I just do that in the context of a basketball court. So all the all the things that in general make a good photo of a person like interesting facial expressions, you know, emotion, showing energy, all those types of principles that make a good yeah. photo. I'm just trying I'm just trying to capture that stuff, but the basketball court is where I do that. So yeah. it's kind of like reframing how you go about it or reframing what your mindset is towards it. Oh, um, true. And, that, and that actually changes the types of photos that you capture and the types of stuff you get. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. And if there happens
0: to be a Spalding or a Wilson in there, you know, I'd like to fortune. you. <laughs> That's right. But because
1: you Sorry. Go you ahead. Do, well, you do see some photographers that get out there and, um, and they they take some good stuff, but mo- like 99% of their photos is just, you know, an action shot or a shot of a player, just walking the ball up the court or mm. you know, some sort of routine part of the game. And that is shooting basketball, I guess, but it's, yeah. um, you're not quite getting into the, the heart of the, that connection that that
0: what matters to to yeah. people who are and even say players when they look back at the photos they want to get themselves back into that moment hopefully it's not them cussing at a, a missed shot or something like that they probably don't want that one as the display pick, but yeah yeah they can reconnect to that moment which is just yeah it's a really great perspective i hadn't really thought about it as again i've got the equivalent of two left feet as a photographer, but that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And you sort of segued organically into what I was going to ask about what makes a good shot, because what you're looking for makes that good shot. But um, with that, being that you're looking for that, that people photography in the context of a basketball game or a basketball arena, what do you find the biggest challenges are with your role in trying to capture that uh, appropriately?
1: Yeah. um, Refs getting in the way is a (laughs) big uh yeah we love our refs but yeah I do I shouldn't (laughs) say that because some refs might listen to this and I do I've built up really like actually to be honest I'll 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 brag on the refs a bit because especially here in Sydney the refs are some of my best supporters like I've got a whole bunch of amazing refs that follow me and are always like super excited to see my photos um feel free to name drop feel free to shout Uh, them out Too is many the list them, too long? Too many of them to name. I'd uh, uh, miss some out and then some would be upset. now nah, um, yeah, there's a lot of awesome refs. And I, I quick, it took me a while, but I, I ended up realizing, man, the refs want the photos just as much as the players do. They love it. <laughs>
0: um, when they are people,
1: that's right. Contrary
0: to what um, uh, one eyed or, um, you know, some boganistic fans might think that, yeah, referees are human beings too.
1: Yes yeah they the, and the photos are important to them so i've i've made it a key thing now most of the games i shoot i'm i'm actively looking for moments to capture refs doing their thing as well mm. um that said i would be lying if i said there wasn't times where trying to shoot around a ref wasn't a, a challenge because sometimes yeah. like the best the best spots to get the best photos are obviously along the baseline and the refs are running along the baseline yeah. Uh, so yeah one challenge is just keeping you know, trying to capture that moment without someone in your way. Yeah, I mean, they uh, do need the best view of the play. It is kind of their job, right? Like, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, it's every it's every photographer's struggle, though, isn't it? It's but yeah, yeah. Actually, to be honest, I, I don't know if you'd call it a challenge. I, yeah, I, it's just it's just something to be aware of, I guess, as you're doing your job. Just something you have to always be thinking about. Like, if I sit here in this spot, like, yeah. am I done, and, and a big moment happens while I'm in this spot is there a chance that I won't get the shot because someone will get in my way? So yeah. that's just something you always have to be thinking about. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. You, yeah. I'm just thinking because um, when you were talking about the refs and, and them getting in the way, um, I always harken back a little bit to my, and my time's gone by as a, a, a wrestling commentator and um, we would joke about the the refs getting in the way, the, the shots and the, and things like that. Um, I know some of our fans as well at the time, um would be a little bit upset at our people filming the action do you ever get any pushback from um the fans or is it sort of part of the role just to sort of you know be in those positions where you're not obscuring someone's view of their enjoyment of the game as well
1: i don't think i've ever had that when i've been doing um photography to be honest Um, most of the photography games that i'm shooting. Like I've, I have shot a bunch of WNBL and NBL, but uh, yes, yes. most of the photography I've done is the lower semi-pro stuff yeah. with smaller crowds and people are pretty chill. So I haven't really had any issues doing that. Yeah, I do remember back when I was at the Wildcats actually doing video. I remember I had an angry, uh, an angry guy, in a in a corporate box sitting behind me, kind of yell at me one time, even though oh, I, really? I was, I was sitting or kneeling. So I didn't think I was in his way, but somehow he was, um, this particular guy was still upset feeling like I was must've been blocking his view or something like that. Yeah. Um, so he was yeah. probably
0: just but, seeing you as if you're like dicky knee on Hey, Hey or something, just occasionally yeah. popping
1: up or something. Like I think, that. I think it had a few drinks to be honest and he was I, just a bit, yeah. a bit of a dick, but, um, but yeah, apart from that one time, I, I haven't really had any issues with people being upset at me blocking their view or any, I'm pretty, I, I do my best to make sure I'm kind of not uh, standing you know impeding someone's view of the game and if I do need to kind of go into a spot where I feel like I might be I try to not stay there too long and move yeah. on really quickly so yeah
0: um what do you find is the biggest difficulty just taking a step back from the technical side of things for the moment um biggest difficulty between um juggling you know being that available and doing the gig there for you know the various games like at nighttime and and whatnot and I guess the the nine to five and and life outside of I guess a quote-unquote gig economy even though it's sporting
1: um uh, sorry do you can you just uh... just
0: like difficulty how do you balance what you do with your sports photography with what else you do photography wise or life-wise
1: yeah. Well, I'm, so I'm a full-time freelancer. So I like photography is my whole gig. Actually. I don't have, um, I don't, uh, I don't work full-time in that video editing job anymore. COVID, uh, COVID ended that. Um, so then once, um, once that happened, I just decided, well, oh, I'm going to do this full-time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm shooting sport on the weekends and then during the week I'm shooting for a school in my area quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a, a blessing and a curse all at the same time. Like it's, it's amazing to like, I'm, I guess, I guess I would say I'm quite proud of myself that I've, I've got to a point where I'm like fully sustaining myself and living off just photography. Yeah. Um.
0: Which is the that, dream, isn't
1: it? Yeah. That's the dream. Like I'm, I'm doing what I absolutely like. This is the first time in my life where I feel like I'm finally just doing what I really love. And there's no doubt in my mind that this is what I want to do. Like I love it. Yeah. Um, and I'm earning semi-decent money doing it. I'm not quite where I want to be financially just yet, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on the way there. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really good place to be in and I'm really happy that I'm doing that because I feel like I waste, like we were talking before about the the jobs that we worked in before. I feel like in my twenties I probably wasted a few too many years just working Mm. in jobs that I didn't really have a passion for. Yeah. Um, and wasn't necessarily that gifted at either. Um, So yeah, there's that, but then obviously the challenge of being a full-time freelancer is just having to do everything yourself. So you've got to do all your own marketing, you've got to do all your own accounting, all your own social media, like all your own shooting and editing, like I'm doing everything myself. So that, that is a challenge in itself, just having to do everything and not having any help, I guess.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm without getting too um, uh, sentimental or soppy about it, but your story is a, uh, exactly one of those stories about what happens when you do better on yourself, which you have. And it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible to, uh, to see. And it's, it's wonderful that you're able to get to that, that point now by backing yourself in to be, okay, I'm a photographer. I'm a freelance photographer. That's it. Whereas some people still have to, to juggle the two at the moment. So that's wonderful to hear. Um, yeah. What do you think the most rewarding thing about being involved in the game is as a photographer? I mean, you mentioned the, I guess, the cool moments when you were way back when with the Wildcats, um, being able to be part of that press huddle and, and whatnot. But what do you find the most rewarding parts of being in that role in this basketball environment?
1: Yeah, I think for me it's the capturing capturing great photos of players particularly the juniors like I've, I've had a lot of opportunities as well to shoot like junior games um and i love it when you capture an amazing photo of a kid for example and then their parents their parents come and buy the photo and yeah. the, the messages and the emails you get from the parents i think that is like really that makes me feel so good when parents email me and say oh my god i love this i captured a photo um i'll have to show it to you i captured a photo of a um it's on my Instagram actually of a kid he he I was shooting a I was shooting a 3 on 3 tournament at Hills Hornets it was a junior kind of all day tournament in the school holidays and this little boy hit this epic game winning three right it, it was an overtime 3 on 3 game and he hits a three pointer to win the game And basically just like the whole court just erupted like everyone runs into the middle of the court this kid's like in the middle of the huddle being picked up by everyone just like screaming for joy it was just like an epic it was just like and i was just like in the perfect place at the perfect time perfect angle where i could see his face i could see all the other kids like hovering around him and i got this cool photo Um, yeah. And his mum obviously got hold of the photo and she, she reached out to me and I ended up sending her the the high res copy, but she was just so grateful. Like just the messages I was getting from her, I was like, man, this is so cool. Like these, this is what I, this is what validates what I do when I get messages like this.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, and we spoke about it a little bit, um, in terms of the emotion and that the moment It's just, it's being able to capture those memories in their most authentic form. And I think um if it's a photo um that I'm thinking about and um I had been scrolling here, it was it yep. was at the at the Hills Stadium. So yeah, yeah, I can see it there and we'll we'll share that it? once yeah. this goes to air. Yeah, it's just like it's just the perfect uh storm of just everyone converging on this kid after hitting yeah. the game winner. It's just and like that kid in 10, 15 years' time is gonna look back at that moment and be able to pinpoint exactly that feeling of yeah. what that what that was about. It's well, yeah, it's um,
1: magnificent. Yeah, well, his mum messaged me and told me that she's, uh, she's, she was in the process of getting it printed and framed, and she was going to be up on his bedroom wall. Oh, that's um, so cool! So I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's yeah, but cool. yeah, I get a lot of um, not not even just kids as well. Like all the senior players that I shoot, um, I get a lot of really cool messages from them thanking me for capturing their games. I I don't know. I think it's culture's probably a bit different over in WA. Over in WA there's actually quite a lot of basketball photographers floating around Perth. I remember Mm. when I I was living in Perth and going to games at Bendat and different places like that, there'd always be three or four other photographers over there. But particularly when I first got to Sydney, it's changed a bit now, but um, when I first came to Sydney and especially through the COVID period, like I was really the only one here doing it for the most part, like most, most other venues I would go around to, there was no one shooting these games, all all the players, all the Um, it wasn't, it wasn't called NBL one at that point. It was still called the Waratah league over here. Um, but yeah, all the players just like, weren't getting good photos of themselves. Uh Um, and then I, once I arrived and started making it a thing where I was like regularly going around to all these different stadiums and shooting games and posting photos and putting them on Instagram. Yeah. Players just flocked to it and they loved it. And they, yeah, a lot of them reach out to me with lovely messages, thanking me for, you know, I got a really cool message from a girl a few months ago who, I didn't even know it was her first game, but I captured her first NBA game. That's cool. She reached out to with a message. Thank you so much for capturing my first NBA one game. It means so much to me. Um, Stuff like that is like, yeah, that's, that's the, by far the most rewarding part. Like being able to be someone that captures people's journeys and in 10 or 20 years time, they can look back and they've got a document of their sporting journey because I like me myself I played I played sports all the way through school and I don't think I have a single photo like I played for the I grew up in this town called Corrigin um Mm. and I played all of my junior football for the Corrigin Tigers and I don't think I've got a single photo of me running around playing for the Corrigin Tigers and that now I would love to look back and see a cool action shot of myself kicking a kicking a goal for the Corrigin Tigers but I don't have it so. Yeah,
0: it's again those memories and those moments, and um, like to your point there, like uh, I play very, very, very amateur cricket here uh, for my beloved Warwick Greenwood, and yeah. we've we've made a point of it um in the past to make sure um that we we're able to get photographers down to you know, predominantly grand finals, but also games along the way. So um, this was a long time ago, back when um, I had some pool there, but in terms of like, we wanted that for not only marketing, so we could put that out and say, Hey, come join our club. But then, you know, you could have a player that you played with 10 years ago. They can send you that message, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's a text, whatever it might be and go, Hey, you see this photo? Remember this moment. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just being able to look back and go, oh yeah, that was, that was cool. It was a, you know, quite a different time in my life. or It was a great moment, a great friendship, whatever it might've been. Yeah. Um, and especially in the case of that, that photo with that kid as well. I mean, you talk about how you've got this um, poster of Scotty Pippen from over 20 years ago, near on 30, that yeah. kid's going to have that picture that you took for another 20, yeah. 30 years to come. That's, that's, yeah. that's gotta be so satisfying.
1: Yeah, very satisfying. Yeah, that's that's definitely what it's about for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to yeah. make sure that we get some people down taking photos of your social game, which we are going to touch on. <laughs> We're going to touch on how your ball's going, but, um, uh, but we need to get some people down there. So if you are a photographer in in Sydney,
1: right. make sure you're following along so you can get some photos of, of Hills James. Hornets on a Monday night. Yep. Well, the, the good the good thing about the Hills Hornets is um, they have the I don't know if they have it in Perth yet. They've a thing called Glory League. So okay each week you get your highlight reel sent to you after like emailed to you after the game. Cause they've got cameras installed in the stadium. It's like a little, really? Yeah. It's almost like a little security camera that sits up in the roof yeah, um, and it uses AI to track the track, the player. Oh,
0: yes. Yes. We've, I say weave, but uh, you know, I'm just like a part-time freelance commentator, but at the senators they've got that installed that they actually yeah. have that installed. I'm not sure how frequently they use it in terms of the, the other leagues outside of the NBL um, One West, but I know yeah. that um, if it's not a KO game, that's the camera they're, they're predominantly using there in the MBL oh, okay. One coverage yeah, as well. Right. So, okay. yeah, that same sort of auto-tracking sort of stuff there as yeah. well. So that's yeah, cool so, that they
1: do that uh, for the Mondays yeah so i play a game on a monday night and then get home and about two hours later i get an email from glory league saying your highlight reel is ready and so you open it up and you can either watch the full game back or it or it also sends you your personal highlights as well so every you know last week i hit a couple of threes and a couple of twos and sure did <laughs> click a little link click a little link and then there you can watch it all straight away it's really cool that's absolutely um, crazy yeah sorry. yeah so there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of video highlights of me uh, out there running around, but it would be cool to get some photos at some point. I should um, get someone else to come down and shoot one of our games. Yeah, hit up some of your contacts or yeah. someone listening along. If, you, if you've you got right. a camera you're in the <laughs> yeah.
0: Hills area, just head on down Monday nights. Um, yeah. With that in mind, well, I, I, I joke about it just then about your contacts and things like that. And we touched on it a little bit when you were talking about how you first really made that leap. Um, in Sydney there from being, you know, starting at the Hills and then expanding, but how impo- how important is that relationship building there um, for you with the teams and athletes themselves? Um, you know, you mentioned you get a few messages and things like that saying, Hey, great photo and things like that. But yep. is it important to have that really good, healthy relationship with those uh, for one of the better term subjects that you're capturing?
1: Yeah, it's massive. It's a huge part of the gig. I-, I get a lot of compliments from players saying that they really love and respect the way that I, don't just take the photos, but I actually get to know the players as well. Yeah. Um. I get to, I try to, I do my best to try to kind of build relationships with the players and not just the players, but the people in around the clubs as well. There's a whole bunch of different people that go into making the clubs run and happen, oh, yeah. like video people and more well, just general organizers, refs, oh. like everyone like so many different people, stats, yeah. people, um, even like players, parents as well. I've built relationships with different, Uh, players parents and stuff as well and they follow along on my instagram and will send me lovely messages and stuff and all of that all of that relationship building is is yeah it's really important i think and and like sometimes gigs extra gigs will come out of that as well like players or people in general are more likely to buy from someone that they know and like and trust um and so if you're just kind of this anonymous kind of quiet photographer that's just distantly floating around capturing games and not really engaging, getting to know anyone. It's, I feel like it's less likely that you're going to get more gigs, but if you actually kind of integrate yourself in and, and, you know, build those relationships, then it's people are more comfortable to reach out to you if if something comes up where they want a photographer. So yeah, I think it's a really big part of it. And I, yeah, I pride myself on being someone that kind of tries to do that as well.
0: Well, you mentioned there, obviously, you know, being able to be trusted and things like that, and that's led to other gigs. So you mentioned, um, you know, your marketing is pretty much the basis of your work, but it's also um, what helps you get that that more work because people are going, yes, this is a great person I work with and things like that. So with yep. that in mind, what what are some of the most rewarding uh, events that you've been able to work on through the, the strength of that those connections in your work?
1: Yeah, definitely um, some of the grand finals I've shot. Um, like last year for, oh, this, sorry, this year, for example, I got to shoot the um, the NBL One East grand final day. That was really cool getting to one of the teams that I have closely followed and been closely involved with for a while now, the Sutherland Sharks. Uh, the uh, Finns. Yeah, their um, their <laughs> men's team won the uh, won the NBL One East grand final. So yeah. getting, getting to capture that was really special for me. I loved that um oh and that that kind of touches back in with what I was just talking about as well there was a, there was one of the most one of the best shots I got that day shooting that grand final um was a shot of the star player of the um Sutherland men's team is a guy called Lachlan Hutchinson not sure yes. if you know him yeah no I saw uh, him saw him at the nationals as well yep yep he was a he had been a development player with the Sydney Kings a couple of years mm-hmm. ago um and yeah being um I've kind of built a bit of a relationship with him but also his dad as well his dad his dad has been an amazing supportive person to me who like pretty much every every Sutherland game I've ever shot um, his dad has come along and bought bought the photos of his son which has been really cool and it's just been like a really good support person and I've I've had like a lot of DM chats with his dad and um, good chats with Lockie after games as well and so kind of like and I remember before in the week leading up to that grand final I was um I was DM DMing back and forth with his dad and his dad was just telling me like it, it was just talking to him, like how much this would mean to him you know how much how much it would mean to him if he won his championship it would just mean everything like it's all he's wanted it's all he's ever wanted to do it's like it was a big deal you know and so building that relationship with his dad and getting that insight and then on grand final day, as soon as the final buzzer rang, I, I had that in my mind. And so I, I watched Lockie, like the first thing he does as the final buzzer run rang is runs to the sideline and has a huge big hug with his dad who runs out and meets him at the side of the court.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Um,
1: and I just got this epic shot of a big of a big hug between father and son. And I thought like if I was just some random photographer that had just been brought in to, to shoot that game, like I would have had no idea about that context and no idea about that moment. And I wouldn't have been able to get that photo. You know, I wouldn't like, it wouldn't have meant anything to me. I would have just seen two people hugging, but I wouldn't have known the backstory. Yeah. Um. And so that's like that the relationship building isn't just good for business building or whatever. It actually helps you get better photos because you know, you know what's going on. Um. So yeah, sorry that was a bit of a bit of a tangent from what you're. No, no,
0: no, no. That's 20. no, but that's perfect because having yeah. a look at look at those photos as well. Because you know, um, as as a good podcaster and a multitasking active listener, um, <laughs> yeah. I was you having I was having a look at those photos, and yeah, it's a, what we'll do when when um, our. Uh, you know, listening viewership have got this in their ear halls. I'm not going to post these photos straight away or like the links to the photos straight away. I'm going to highly encourage them to follow your socials, which will get you to plug at the end and have a look at some of these photos and then I'll share them. So you have to do your homework listeners because, Yeah, that that in those photos of that embrace is just just, that's exactly what sport's all about. There's a photo that we had taken, sorry to tangent and make it all out myself like a good podcast host, but there was a photo that we had taken in our cricket club last year after our team had won the flag. And it's just a photo of the team of all of us, just so and I think anyone who has been fortunate enough or put in the work to to win a championship at any team sport. One of the best feelings you can have is not necessarily the, you know, the siren goes, the final wickets taken, whatever it is. That it's not necessarily just that elation straight away. Don't get me wrong, that's pretty swell. But that moment where you guys all just take that deep breath and you're just with your teammates and you just sort of take in what you've just done over a season. And we have a really good photo of that, fortunately. And, and yeah, nice. it's, that's the sort of thing that's the, you know, I think for Lockie and his dad they look back at that photo right there that, or those photos because you were you snap happy but you got great photos but they look back at those photos and they'll be able to go yes that's exactly what that that
1: feeling was yeah. at
0: that time and
1: you know His uh his dad messaged me the week after and told me that um well actually it was the day out uh, the, the same day that I posted the photo on Instagram Yeah um the dad messaged me and said that is uh his misses and his um and his mum had seen the photos and it made them both cry. Oh, my. <laughs> so I was like, I felt bad, but I was kind of, kind of, you know, <laughs> well, kind of enjoying it bad. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <You're laughs> like, oh, I don't want don't to make people cry, but it's so, good man, tears. It's happy, it's good te- happy tears.
0: Yeah. yeah. Happy tears are good. You should encourage yeah. happy tears. Maybe That's not at all right. times, but you know.
1: Yeah, um, oh, yeah that was uh, cool. And I'm then, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. sorry go you go. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. To uh, I wanted to come back to your original question of like events I've shot that have been cool. Um, I last year I got to shoot the FIBA Asia Women's Cup, which was really cool, getting to yeah. shoot in- international basketball. So I got to shoot the Opals. Um, got to shoot the WNBL Grand Final last year. Shot a handful of different Sydney Kings games. So yeah, I've had I've had some. I've had some cool opportunities as well to shoot bigger, more professional events with um with pro players and stuff and big, bigger crowds and bigger arenas. And that's been really good as well. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. there's
0: there's certainly been a, a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak, with our chat so far in terms of like if I'm an aspiring photographer, which admittedly I've got the arthritis that says no, but if I'm an aspiring photographer. Um, there's certainly been a lot that I can take out of what you've said for so far in terms of what what you want to do positively. And we do like to keep things positive here on the show, but if you were talking to an aspiring photographer, which hopefully we've got some there out there in and podcast land, what are some pitfalls or some common traps that you would probably and it's a question without notice, but what some of those things that you'd maybe get them to avoid or get them to steer clear of as an aspiring photographer?
1: Yeah, good question. Um probably Getting too focused on, I, I, I'm part of a lot of different sports photography groups yep. on uh, Facebook. I actually, I have my own group as well that I run called Sports Photographers in Australia, which I started a couple of years ago. Nice. Um, yeah, just all, all the different groups that I'm part of. I, I, feel like I see photographers fixating too much on, um, probably on gear and camera settings and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and, and I, and I see some photographers that are going out and spending quite a lot of money investing in really expensive gear thinking that that's going to give, thinking that that's, what's going to give them good photos. And it does, I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. It does help. I've, I've also spent a lot of money on my gear. Um, You know, I've invested in some really top of the line lenses and stuff like that. Yeah. Some good cameras, but just, just doing that in itself isn't going to make your photos awesome. It's, it's more the stuff I was talking about before, like um, knowing the game you know, having an understanding of the different players and what their tendencies are, um, being aware of what's happening around you, um, being able to quickly pick up moments when they happen. That's a big part of it. Like if I'm shooting the play and then all of a sudden off to the side, you know, a player, you know, a coach, I don't know, I'm just trying to make something out you know, a coach (laughs) is screaming for joy on the sidelines. Yeah. It's actually being quick to identify that that's what's happening and then spin around and quickly focus up on that person and get that shot. Yeah, um, it's almost like Spidey sense, so to speak. Yeah, too. yeah, the game yeah, stuff, awareness stuff like that. So I would, I suppose, to answer your question, I would encourage a new photographer to focus on learning the game and um, approaching the game with a sense of awareness rather yeah. than just trying to think, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go and spend a whole." you know shit ton of money on expensive gear and then i'll have good photos yes yeah. it's, it's just more that goes into it than that
0: yeah that's it you got to yeah. get the fundamentals and the awareness down pack before i mean yeah as you say it's having the right tools but using them the right way and some people yeah. may lean on having those those high-end whether it's lenses or what have you as uh i guess covering the gap between maybe uh, and i'm putting words in your mouth here but um the uh, attention to detail in terms of the shot they're looking for rather than just relying on the the camera itself and the the accessories
1: yeah um, that's right
0: yeah one of, what, one of the things you just mentioned there when you were like i'll oh, spin around i was just like well i just help, felt my back creaking when you're talking about that it's quite a mobile thing you've got to do when you're a photographer of a sporting event so yeah. what what's the sort of physical toll and challenges uh in being the photographer you mentioned the uh the um unsavory gentleman, I was gonna call him worse and then realize we're somewhat a PG podcast, but um who was making fun of you or trying to get you out of the way from the corporate box. So yeah. you were like kneeling down and things like that. So what's the physical yeah. tools, the challenges? How do you mitigate that through a, a full 40 minute game and some?
1: Uh easy answer to your question is I, I don't really mitigate it. I basically <laughs> I hope for the best. Sit on, I sit on the floor for two hours and then I go home with a sore butt is basically the answer. <laughs> um yeah i do as i say not as i do i guess yeah that's right yeah it's i do see some photographers putting in more effort than me in that regard some some people will bring a like a cushion to the game or um i've also seen photographers wearing knee pads so that they can kneel and and shoot from their knees without hurting their knees yeah but yeah, to be honest, like on on game night, I'm yeah, I usually go home a little bit sore from the games with a sore button and a bit of a sore back. But it's just it is what it is. What it is, I guess. You can't really, well, you can stand, but you get the better. Um, you just get better photos when you're low angle. So sitting oh, down, yeah. um, sitting down is always going to give you a more dynamic uh, point of view of the player and kind of make them look a bit more epic than mm-hmm. if you stand. So, yeah. Oh uh, yeah.
0: So what what I'm hearing is that if you're in the Hills area and you're a physio, just hit up James. Just look after <laughs> him, throw him some freebies because the man That's does right. not look after himself. No. <laughs> um. Right. Before we leave the, I guess the tips and tricks of the, the I guess the art of the photography itself. Um. Do you have any final words to someone who might be listening, going, "Hey, I might be interested in doing it, or I am doing it at the moment. I want to take it to the next level. Um. Because obviously." as I've mentioned before, your story is one about betting on yourself and then starting to work your way up those ranks, doing international competitions, the NBL, WNBL and all of that. Would you have any final tips or tricks or things that you would say to someone who's thinking of either getting involved or taking to the next level in photography?
1: Yeah. um, The biggest tips I suppose are just, I think I've already touched on them briefly, but it's like the key words that come to mind is, um, Firstly, like ruthless passion, you got to, you've got to, you've got to be passionate about it. I, I think I've been successful as a basketball photographer because I'm very passionate about basketball. Yeah, I am very interested in all the little nuances of the game. Like I play myself, and so because I'm shooting what I love, that that comes through in my photos because I'm determined to capture good stuff, and and I know the kinds of photos that I would like as a player myself, and I yeah. think that helps me. And then the second key word is consistency. You just have to, you have to be determined and consistent, and just keep, keep grinding. Like keep shooting games, keep getting your work out there, keep tagging the players, and and over time, your your work will grow if you're good at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's just kind of also just like doing the research as well, like watching. I I've, I spent a lot of time watching YouTube videos about you know, best camera settings to use and, um, you know, different techniques, best positioning, you know, you follow other photographers and you see their photos on Instagram and that gives you ideas for other, other angles or other shots that would be cool. And then you can, you know, put your own stamp on those things as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So some clear next direction for those listening along who want to continue to rise or to, you know, bring themselves into the ranks of the sports photographer um, but let's have a look at what the future looks like for you, James. What's the sort of future goals, both I guess personally um, as as a photographer and as that freelance photographer, or you know particular events or anything like that you'd love to be a, a regular at. What what's the future look like there for yourself?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, long long term, I'd love to get, have the opportunity to shoot in the NBA at some point. That would be really cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, that's that's something I've never achieved. So yeah, shooting in NBA games definitely on the list. Um, I, I just want to really get to a point where I'm, I'm continuing to do this, but, um, yeah, like I guess having more clients than what I have now earning more money than what I'm earning now. Um, and, uh, yeah, just continuing to get to shoot big events. I've really enjoyed doing the media days last season. I think I'd shot four or five different media days for clubs at the start of the season where you're doing all their portraits and headshots.
0: Yep. Uh, we had Paulie Gold, uh, Paul Goldie, come out and do that yeah. for us at our cricket club. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a it's nice. a fun day, it's um yeah. again, it's an important day having those images to to accompany your season. So yeah, big days though.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, but I love I love the creativity that goes along with being able to capture. Kind of, I've started moving into like trying to use like colored lights and smoke machine and oh, nice. cool, those kind of cool epic media day photos. Yeah. So yeah, I want to do more of that but yeah, man, just like building, building up and getting more clients and continuing to grow my brand, grow my business, shoot for more people. I want to, yeah, I I think I mentioned to you before I shoot for a school as well. So I'm, I'm actively at the moment trying to find a couple more schools that I can shoot for as well. Um, yeah, it's like, I, I found my niche and I found my space that I know that I'm, that I'm loving. It's just like trying to keep building and growing and, um, yeah, and if I could get to shoot an NBA game along the way, that would be pretty cool too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that'd be incredible. Um, And for our listeners, if you are around the New South Wales area and, uh, you know, we're going to put you to work here, we don't usually ask you to do much homework on the show, but uh, James OD Photography, make sure you just tag him and share him around or uh, put his good name or put his good handle out there to local yeah. competitions and bodies and things like that that might... Uh, Might do well with an injection of some high quality photography, which I'm going to hit him up for his socials again, so he can give the proper sell in a moment. But before we put a bow on this episode, James, I've got to ask you the most important question I'm going to ask you today. All right? How's how's the game actually going in those social leagues? I know you you post your highlights and you 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 got a half decent corner three there. You know, I was was thinking I was uh, thinking I was at (laughs) Warwick Stadium there watching um, Caleb Davis, although unfortunately he's moved away from the Senators in the off season, but. How's the game itself going? How's the side going?
1: yeah good we um uh, we're on a four game winning streak right now actually really? yeah but um that that game I just posted on uh, Monday just gone we that was a epic one point win we were we're in third place and yeah. we were playing the second place team and we took them down by a point, so we were pretty happy with that yeah. um yeah, no, it's good i've got my I've got my brother on the team as well. You would have seen the little short point guard um <laughs> A little short point guard that was passing me the ball on most of those threes. That's my older brother. Um, so me and him are quite close and we, we, we love basketball and talk hoops together quite a lot. So it's really cool getting to play with him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, we got a good little team. We, um uh, we made was it, I think it was last, was it? No, sorry. It wasn't last season, the season before last season, we made the grand final. Um, uh, but we, sadly we did, we lost in our grand final, but it was, it was cool to make it there, but, um, yeah, it is what it is.
0: All right. Let's uh, pretend uh, this is a, uh, a like a draft camp. Uh, who, who, <laughs> whose game do you model yourself on? If I had to put a comparison uh, out there. I mean, there may be a slight difference in ability, but whose game
1: are <laughs> you modeled on? Yeah, good question. I guess maybe, I don't know, is it too is it too egotistical to say Kobe? Well, I mean, you can definitely <laughs> mold your game on it. You, you can't be Kobe
0: if there's only one. <laughs> But you could do, definitely say you could try and use that, that Mumba mentality in, in the
1: game. I'm I'm clearly not as uh, clearly not as athletic or as talented, that's for sure. But,
0: uh, <laughs> oh, thanks for clarifying. Thanks for that disclaimer, Jane.
1: <laughs> Just in case.
0: Just in case anyone in case. saw my
1: highlights and thought that I was actually. <laughs> but uh, I'm a shooting guard, which Kobe yeah. was. So I'm a shooting guard that likes to sometimes mm-hmm. pull up, spot up and hit a three, but I also yeah. like to attack as well. So I'm. I pride myself on mixing mixing up my game between outside shooting and taking it to the basket, so yeah and i and I like to pass as well, so maybe that yeah I don't know actually kobe Kobe was a bit of a passer not he did honest, it, yeah. he did have a he did have a reputation in his early days of not being much of a passer, but especially as in you know further on along in his career, he um started to put up some good assist numbers as well hmm don't give away the total scout. There might
0: be someone listening, by the way. So <laughs> I <was> just. <laughs> um, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I know that um, you know, we've both been I mentioned a few weeks ago with another but we've both been a little bit time poor. So I'm glad that we're able to actually uh, connect up here today and, and have this chat. And, and as I mentioned before, we've uh, definitely got a lot out of this here for someone who's getting interested in that space. So, um, I, I, I just casually handled dropped earlier on, but where can we find your work on the socials and, and particular, I guess, arenas and things like that, that you might be hanging around.
1: Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Instagram is Instagram is by far the most where I'm the most active. So it's just James OD photography and the same thing on Facebook, James O'Donoghue photography. Uh, I have a website as well. Um, James OD um, in Terms of arenas yeah, I'm, I'm active all over Sydney shooting. Uh, I shoot most of my games at the Hills Hornets, which are my local team, but I also shoot for a couple of other teams around Sydney as well. So yeah, people, people will see me floating around, around the place, whatever I can get, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as a photographer, definitely Instagram is probably the one to hit up there. So James OD photography, make sure you're following along. I'd I'd like this, just pause for a second. We'll give them a moment just to quickly find. Yep. James OD photography, type that in and follow. Cool. Do that right now. And uh whilst you're doing that, we'll take the time as well to thank you very much, James, for your time today. Really appreciated the chat and um really appreciated learning a thing or two about a thing or two about photography. It's been great. And just some of those moments and experiences, it's just absolutely expelled the value of why good sports photography, good photography, those moments being captured are so important. So Thank you so much for your time today and I really appreciate it and looking forward to seeing more of your work on Instagram and
1: hopefully probably bump into each other next year's Nationals in the NBL1. Oh, sounds good. Well, hopefully it's going to be in Sydney next year. That's what I'm hoping for. So I don't have to travel all the way to Melbourne or Perth. We'll see. See what happens.
0: Oh, what's That's a paid holiday. Why would you not want to travel?
1: <laughs> well, because it costs money. Oh, Actually. yeah. Okay. Yeah, true. That's a good point. That's a, that's a very good point. All right. Thanks so much for your time today. I really thanks, appreciate it, James. Much appreciated, mate. Appreciate you taking the time to interview me. Really good fun.
0: Well, that was a wonderful chat there from James and. Uh, it was great to see what goes into making those moments last, and and just even the technical aspect there. You know, I've got the um, the photography equivalent of two left feet, so I couldn't frame a, a frame a photo to save my life. But just to see the things that he looks for, those shots. Um, and it really falls into line with the really, really good photographers and those images that do last and stand the test of time in your brain boxes. So thanks again, James, for his time there and his patience for having the uh, the interview come up there. We recorded it a couple of weeks ago, but as I mentioned, uh, you know, being a, a little bit busy there. So much appreciated there for his patience as well. Now, I um, have spoken a little bit about the time that it's taken here between our last episode with Jimmy Hartness and, and here with uh, James. I just must have this. It's now. Hey, James, I'm coachable, by the way. Um, But a lot of things have happened here. Uh, I mean, the links which this is now the unofficial fan podcast of, of sitting at 4-3 at the moment, uh, which again, as you should always do, date your podcast. Um, and uh, we saw that friend of the show, Chloe Forster, was, um, missed out the last game through injury, so hope that injury heals quickly and uh, back on the back on the hardwood there at the bend out there. But uh, keeping an eye on that and keeping an eye on all the movement happening in the NBL 1. I mean, they've had a little fresh painted coat, they've had a new naming sponsor, things are getting exciting, and... And one of the things that really caught my eye, at least out here in the West, is just the uh, the Rockingham Flames women's program. It's like they've uh, you know had their squad, and then they've given it the old itch-a-sketch, shake it completely, completely make it blank slate, and... My goodness, that is a super soldier squad coming in. So um, obviously wanting to give that title um, a real good nudge this year. So uh, interesting to see what happens with them and also what happens with all the player movement happening as well around, not only the NBL One West, but the NBL One. So make sure you're following all the appropriate socials for that. But uh, we will talk about chasing titles. The other thing that has happened since uh, we last spoke, well, I last spoke, you, you listened, but, you know, I like the messages as well. So there's a form of that transitions out of the show but you know uh, anywho, um you know directorial audience um you know aside um one other thing chasing titles cm punk returned to wrestling again so yeah i mean all the copywriters who could just copy and paste what they um had the last time he did it but this is different he's uh where's well, in return to wrestling he's returned to a uh, sports entertainment huh yeah yeah um and it's interesting; it's caused quite the the polarizing opinion online. Which again, never read the comments, but it's interesting to see now that um, I guess time, money, all of that um, heals all wounds. But don't forget, this is a man that was served by the uh, the former regime at uh, WWE. Served the the papers that they were, you know, suing the uh, proverbial pants off him on the day of his wedding. Which, yeah. That's just a little is in it, so um, it's just interesting to see. And I'm, I'm always of the opinion. I've spoken this a couple of times, and I, um, with some of my friends who are involved in wrestling or big fans of wrestling, it's just like I don't give a damn about all the backstage stuff. Um, It's often trotted out as a line from wrestlers It's like you don't care about who likes who And the favorite soap operas, TV shows, all that that you watch You you know, well, it's a little bit different reality TV now But, you know, that's probably the exception rather than the rule So I always find it interesting that people care more about Oh, does he like him or are they got to get into a fist fight or blah, blah, blah And don't just enjoy the product for what it is And at the end of the day, yeah, there's probably a lot of hypocrisy Probably a lot um, and that's putting it very mildly as an unashamed CM Punk fan as a performer um, A lot of hypocrisy about going back to WWE about all the things that he said that were running through his head running through his head in the time that he was away But at the end of the day who hasn't said stupid things who hasn't been unhappy with where they've worked or all that I give a damn about is that the product that I'm watching and that I am entertained by, because again, you, you watch shock, shock surprise, episode 10, the former wrestling commentator likes wrestling. Um, all I care about is the actual product that's being put out. And if it's a good product and I'm enjoying it, let, you know, let's not care about all the backstage drama. Again, this isn't going to be some soapbox op-ed that you know, people are going to go, Oh, by golly, gosh, he's right. I'm going to jump off that message board. Well, I don't know why I've turned into this really ocker Aussie voice and still can't get out of it. But at the end of the day, wrestling, if you're a fan of it at the moment, business is booming unless you're on the hard cam side of an AEW show. So just enjoy it, you know, enjoy what you enjoy. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that that can be said about anything. Why? we? delve into the weeds of uh, let's critique every part of something just to sort of justify why I do like it or I don't like it or or why you should like it or you should not like it you know at the end of the day let's just sit back and enjoy things and enjoy the beauty in this world like David Tennant returning to Dr. Who, and don't worry about the fact that he's going to be going again soon anyway Anyway, that nerdy aside, thank you again for um, your patience and understanding the last few weeks. Um, again, we'll try, we've got a couple of interviews in the can already, got a, another one on the way that's going to be recorded very soon, so I'll be doing my level best there to make sure we got a little bit more of, um, you know, regularity with the episodes and go back to what we were doing, um, now that a little bit of that, that um, those issues there with, with work and and whatnot have subsided. So thanks again. Um, As always, if you're digging what we're putting down, please um, jump onto your preferred um, podcast provider. Give us a give us a rating. Um, subscribe. That keeps all the boffins with the numbers happy, and the uh, the algorithms and all of that helps get the uh, the word the good word out to many more people. Um, and again, if you are really enjoying it, please give us a share on your socials. Let you let your mates know at the water uh, cooler. Let your enemies know at the water cooler. Just say, hey, you're not leaving this water cooler. Yes, I installed a water cooler just for this purpose. I ain't leaving this water cooler until you say. You're going to check out that, hey, pal, I'm coachable, because the guy, he's okay, but those guests, well, geez, they're tippy-to-top tier. But yes, um, please share it. The more numbers we get, the, the more we can get, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, investment into it, and the more that I can sort of put my front hustle aside and keep on working my side hustle, kind of get it to a 45-degree a hustle. So, and... You know, if you don't do that, all good. I'm just very grateful that uh, you've welcomed me into your not so weekly podcast e hole rotation. So that's that. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be back, or I'm going to say next week, but, you know, let's say next week. Oh, we'll be back next time there and uh, with a really good interview, actually. I'm really excited about sharing that one with you as well. So we'll see you soon on Hey Pal, I'm Coachable.